Let's get into Advent together. We're in Philippians chapter 2. You can turn there. I would encourage you to bring your Bible to get into the scriptures with us as we look at the text every Sunday morning. Um, In Advent, what we have in the church calendar is this kind of pivot moment. Uh, This moment where we get to the end of the church calendar, uh, the Advent or the arrival of Christ is looked at or focused on. His advent, his arrival, and his second coming, we we kind of approach at the end of the church calendar, but then it it bounces us back to the beginning of the church calendar, that same moment of of Jesus' first advent, his first arrival. So in Advent, we're kind of stuck in between uh, Jesus' first arrival, his birth, and waiting for his second arrival, his return. This is the Advent season. And Philippians chapter 2 kind of captures that whole movement right in 11 verses. It talks about Jesus' arrival, how he came, how he emptied himself, the verb is, the kenosis of Christ. He comes to pour himself out, but then also he's given the name above every name, that the name of Jesus, who is our Lord and King and Savior, every knee will bow, particularly at his return, at his second arrival. So this is the text we'll spend the next four weeks in because it it really shapes the whole of the Christian life as we live it in between Jesus' two arrivals. It's a pivot moment of Advent. Uh, In this, uh, we have created some curriculum for you. It's called uh, Poured Out. Oh, there goes our communion cracker. We'll get that later. Uh, It's called Poured Out. You can snag one in the back. We printed a whole bunch of copies or you can get it online. Poured out works off of that uh, key verb in the passage, the kenosis, the emptying of Christ. We'll focus on his emptying and how it changes our lives over the next four weeks together. Please snag one of those online or in the back and go along with us that you might be prepared both for Jesus' arrival as a baby and his return as a king. Because this season has often become kind of all about me, hasn't it? Every one of us in the Christmas season kind of, it it naturally uh, does what our lives do. It inclines uh, towards ourselves. And and we know that a season that's lived all about me or a life that's lived all about me is empty. It's too small. It's too myopic. We shrink too little. It becomes all about us and the joy of life is sucked out of us and out of this season. And this morning we'll focus on Philippians chapter 2, really just verse 1, and how that radically reorients our mindset and the way we live our lives where it's not all about us and there's deeper and greater joys in the Christ who has come. So let's get into uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. I want to read the text again so we feel the movement. Uh, Feel the three movements of the text with me as we read it. Uh, In the first few verses, 1 to 4, we get to kind of focus on uh, really ourselves and how Jesus' arrival and return uh, changes our lives. And then in verses 5 and uh, to about 8, we get a focus on who Jesus is and what he did, particularly at his first arrival. And then in 9 to 11, we get this picture of his return and uh, his kingship over us, his lordship over our lives and all of creation. So let's feel the movement. If there is any encouragement in Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, 
Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And having his mind, this mind, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But what did he do? He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. In the middle of the movement, we get that verb of the kenosis, the emptying of Christ, the pouring out of Christ. And, and because he has poured himself out on us, the, the list of if any, if any, in verse 1, is true of us. This is the implication on our lives of a Savior who has poured himself out for our salvation. Here is the list of what has been poured into us. If there is any encouragement in Christ. If we have any encouragement in Christ, if we realize he's our savior, he's rescued us from sin. If we realize he's with us walking in daily life and when things are super low, even in the Advent season, we remember our, our broken Advents, our broken Christmases as kids in a broken family. Or as we remember the loss of a loved one at Christmas. We remember we are encouraged by his salvation. We're encouraged by his presence. We have a savior we're encouraged by. If there is any comfort from his love. If we're comforted by his sovereignty in our lives, that we, we know that though we don't understand what's happening today, we can be comforted knowing he is over today and with us in today. Though we don't understand today, we know that today is not always and, and tomorrow is coming and the Lord is walking with us there too. There's comfort in the love of Christ. If there's any participation or fellowship in the spirit. We know there's fellowship with our living God. That we're not alone. Though sometimes it feels like we're talking and no one's listening. We know that he's with us. He's maybe even carrying us through this season. There's fellowship with the living God. Edwards would talk about the spirit as, as the love relationship between God and his people and the love that flowed from the triune God that we're welcomed into and fellowship with the living God, never alone. If there's any affection and sympathy, if we know the Lord's affection, that, that uh, the, the word is out of his guts turn for us, that, that his insides churn as he longs for us with affection. The sympathy, that word is only used of God, never of man to man or woman to woman, but, but the sympathy, the mercy, the compassion of God for his people. 
If there's any of that, that realization that though we deserve hell, we have been overflowed by the mercy of God for us. We're welcomed as his children now and for all of eternity. If we know his affection, we know his sympathy, his compassion for us. If any of this is true, this is the good news of the gospel, right? This is the fact when Jesus came that his life, his death, his resurrection meant we could be welcomed as his sons and his daughters. That as we wait for his return, we know it won't be for him to crush us in judgment that we live our day today. We don't live it alone, but we walk in step with our God. This is the good news of all Jesus has done for us. Another way to say it is this is the good news of the gospel itself is God himself. The gospel is God. God is the gospel and all he has done. Listen to how Jesus talks about and, and Peter and Paul and all others through the scriptures talk about the good news of the gospel, these things that are true of us because Christ has poured himself out. First Peter, in chapter 3, verse 18, for Christ has suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring you and I to God. He's put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Why? To bring us to God. That there would be encouragement from his love. There'd be comfort in his love and his presence. There'd be fellowship with him in the spirit. We would know his affection. We would know his sympathy. Why? Because he had brought us to himself when he came to rescue us. For you know, this is 1 Timothy 1.18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from your ancestors. We live this empty life until the Lord, uh, by his grace, Jesus uh, purchased us back, uh, not by perishable things like gold or silver, but his very blood poured out for us, filling us. The good news of the relationship with the living God. Or Isaiah 53, verse 12, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great. This is talking of Jesus, our Savior. He will divide the spoils with the strong. Why? Because he poured out his life unto death. Numbered with transgressors like us, he bore the sin of many, made intercession for the transgressors. His life poured out to death that we wouldn't die, but we would have life in relationship with him, the living God. This is what has been poured into us. God is the gospel. And this is what we read about, think about every Advent season. Matthew chapter verses 18 to 25. Sorry, that's Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, Luke chapter 2. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, or Hebrew Yeshua. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. God saves, God delivers. Jesus himself. 
come to make us sons and daughters, come to rescue us from our sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. See, the good news of the gospel is, if any encouragement from Christ, there is. If any comfort from his love, there is. If any fellowship with the Spirit, there is. If any tenderness and compassion, there is. Why? Because Jesus has come. Where would we be if he hadn't come for us? Where would he be if he hadn't come for us? Think about it in your own life for a minute. And maybe even think a little more tangibly. Think about some of the lowest moments you had these past two years in COVID. And you look back and you say, man, that, that particularly was hard about these past two years. Where did you kind of feel the lowest? Or maybe go back a, a few more years the rest of your life. And what were some of the lowest moments of your life? Kind of some of the hardest stuff you've walked through. Can you imagine if you walked it without Jesus? You imagine if you walked it without his church, and maybe you did, and you feel the depth of that, the emptiness of that. Where would you be had your Savior not come and rescued you, had not rescued me, had not walked with us in encouragement and fellowship and, and comfort, and reminding us he's with us and reminding us he's working these things for his eternal good purposes and plans. Where would we be had, had he not come? I want to get back into the grammar a little bit of verse 1. Allow me to get nerdy for a second. So uh, through seminary, we use this big old blue book, Wallace's Greek Grammar. And it kind of had all these different grammatical uh, explanations in it. How does this phrase work? How does that clause work? How does this verb work? And, and kind of all through it, it's just a really super, super kind of helpful book on grammar. Uh, in it, what we see here, we have a, a first-class conditional statement. This conditional statement, this, if this is true, then this might be true, right? If then, right? Uh, if there is any encouragement in Christ, and Paul says it four times. If there, uh, A-T-S, right? If any, if any. Actually, uh, the ESV kind of uh, stops translating the if uh, after the first one, but it's in every one of those after the any's, right? If there is any, if any comfort, if any love, if any participation, if any affection and sympathy. Uh, it says it four times. And now what are you thinking in your mind with any of these if any statements? What, you're, what you ought to be thinking is, because it's a kind of a first class conditional statement, is it's assumed true, right? If there is any comfort from his love, and you think in the back of your mind, then there is. If there's any, any encouragement from him, if there's any fellowship with the Spirit, and you keep thinking, and there is. It's assumed true. It's, uh, it's like this. Um, my daughter Jillian, she'll come and she'll bat her cute little eyes and she'll say, if you love me, you would give me a puppy this Christmas. <laughs> Here's what she's saying. She's, she's saying, you do love me, or so you ought to give me a puppy this Christmas. 
if you love me, or we could translate it because you love me, or since you love me, right? Uh, because we have any encouragement in Christ, and, and since we have comfort from his love, and, and because we have participation in the Spirit, right? It, it's assumed true, it is true, and therefore then we live a certain way. But, but here's the problem. We live as though this is a second-class conditional statement, which is assumed untrue. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there, no, no, there's not. I don't feel him. I don't know where he is. If there's any, even just a morsel, no, not even a morsel. If there's any comfort, if no, there's not. Because I think we live uh, many of our days in what I'll call the garden syndrome. Go back to the garden with me uh, when God creates humanity to be in relationship with himself. Uh, the Lord says you can have anything in the garden. You can have it all. And you can have me, uh, uh, all of me, the Lord, the living God, the creator of all of life. You, you can have all of me as well. Uh, but, but you just can't have the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You just can't have that. And so Adam and Eve and you and I, we live uh, as a second-class condition of, of if you love me, no, you don't. Why? Because I can't have that. Given it all, given him, and we say, but not that. How can I have any encouragement from your love if you don't give me that? How can I have any comfort from your love if you didn't give me that? Fellowship with you? Man, if you would just give me that, then I'd have fellowship with you. We live in garden syndrome, as though this is a second-class condition, untrue. And it steals our gratitude, doesn't it? What steals your gratitude? When the Lord has poured out everything for us in, in his life, in relationship with the living God, what, what steals your gratitude? What keeps your eyes on that thing that you can't have, that you must have to have life in its fullest? Comparison, pace, and your phone, I bet, are some of the things. Comparison, you hop on Facebook. <laughs> You see this or that family and how they're living or this or that single and how he or she is living. You think, man, I don't have anything. Or pace, we just run through late, particularly at Christmas. We just run and go, and we don't see everything the Lord has provided. Or our phone, we just sit on a screen, and it sucks the life out of us. We don't see or feel the Lord's goodness because we're just being sucked into our phones and our computers and our TV screens. But in concentric circles, might we go in to out and realize all the Lord has done for us and, and with pace and sit before him and realize first, man, we do have encouragement from his love. He's rescued me. He's made me a son. He's made me his daughter. I fellowship with the living God. In my highs, I can rejoice with him. In my lows, I can commiserate with him. He's listening. He loves me. He's with me. And then kind of just uh, where you're sitting right now, uh, look down at your feet. You have shoes on. Most of us probably do. <laughs> You've got clothes on. You probably have a full belly right now. 
And the Lord says, I've not only given you my son, I've given you oh, so much, all things. Oh, hey, you, you probably live in an apartment or a condo or a home, and, and you came here today, and you, you've got friends and family, and you're, you're sitting next to some of them. He's given you his church, his body, his family here, and, and he's blessed you so much. You may buy a Christmas or present or two for someone you love. What joy has he given? How abundantly he's poured his grace on you and me. We say, but if you love me, then you'd give me this puppy. And he says, I've given you my son. He's poured out everything for us. And what we see is this makes us conduits. Uh, those who overflow, we become channels of his grace then. Uh, notice where Paul takes us next. Uh, if this is true, and it is, if we have all these things in the relationship with the living God in our highs and in our lows, if these things are true, then complete my joy, verse 2, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He says, make me just super happy. He's in prison. You would expect him to say, hey, get me out of prison, then I'd be happy. He says, no, if you would live in response to the love of God, that would make me so happy. Have the same mind together, the same love, being full accord and of one mind. He repeats it again. Uh, the same together in a unified body, but also the very same mind of Christ is going to return to that when he talks about Jesus in verse 5. He says in response, as a conduit of grace, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit or conceit, right? Uh, don't live in a selfish, self-centered season or life. Don't live with conceit, this uh, opinion of yourself that is higher than it ought to be. But instead, in contrast, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Put yourself in position to others where, where they are greater and you are less than. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Don't just positionally place yourself under, but actively live for the other. How or why could we live as this kind of conduit of his grace and his love and his mercy? Why we have the very mind of Christ. We have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He is the very example and provision for this kind of response as a conduit of grace where we have been poured into. We can then pour ourselves out for others. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He didn't just stop there in the likeness of humanity. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He poured himself out for us abundantly and graciously, transforming the way we live for one another. Now, this is the Christian life, that of a conduit. Uh, around every Christmas, something uh, funny happens within the NFL from quarterbacks to linemen. Uh, quarterbacks uh, to linemen uh, buy their linemen uh, Christmas gifts. So uh, Patrick Mahomes, I just did a little bit of research on this, uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, quarterback, uh, when he was uh, brought into the league in 2017, his first contract was $16 million with $10 million in signing bonuses. Pretty awesome, right? About three years later, from 16, it went to $477 million for a 10-year contract. What? 
$477 million with a $26 million signing bonus, $503 million for 10 years. It, it was the first largest, uh, uh, the, the top uh, uh, athletic contract until Messi overcame him this year. A uh, place for PSG, and he got more money. Uh, but that's about $50 million a season for Patrick Mahomes. 18 games in a season, that's about $3 million a game. 60 minutes in a game, that's about $50,000 a minute. Not bad. <laughs> $50,000 a minute he gets paid. Now, now last Christmas, oh, well, we saw it this Christmas, one of his linemen posted, uh, he got a sweet watch from Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, it's really nice. Just saw it on Instagram. Uh, but last Christmas, he, he uh, bought every one of his linemen. They show up at their locker, and they've got this gift pack uh, with a Louis Vuitton travel bag monogram for each of his linemen. Because these are the big guys in the front of the line that protect him, right? So he can throw the ball, even in the no-look pass, which was awesome. Uh, he got them all Adidas Alpha Boost shoes in this gift pack, a Bose Bluetooth speaker, uh, a Hyper Ice Volt Massager. Uh, it was one of those kind of little massagers, 400 bucks. I got the knockoff ones for 30 bucks on Amazon. It works pretty good. And Oakley's. What, a couple thousand dollars? One, a really nice gift, right? He thought of his lineman. But, but when you put it in contrast, the massive amount, $50,000 a minute he makes per game, uh, $3 million a game, $503 million. He has been dumped on with an amazing amount of resources. So it's easy for him to respond and say, I'll give what I got for you. Uh, see, this picture we're given here is that we are overly, abundantly provided for in Christ. We'll understand just about how much, about 503 years from now, when we're worshiping him in glory. When we realize the grace of our God. When we look back on the days that were hard and the days that were wonderful, and we say, well, you were with me then, walking with me now into all of eternity, 503 years from now, when I see and know your goodness even more. It makes us conduits. It changes us from saying, I need this, that, him or her in order to be satisfied, in order to give my life away from others, to get what I need. I, I, I don't need it in this, that circumstance or this or that thing. I have it in Christ. I, I asked for a puppy and you gave me the Son of God. Conduits of his grace. Paul's going to end this passage later down in verse 17 saying, even if I would be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Man, what a privilege it is to pour myself out the way that you, Jesus, have poured myself out on me. So we don't think less of ourselves, oh, woe is me, or I don't deserve this or that, so you should have it. We, we think of ourselves less. Don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less because of his great abundant provision. Uh, don't keep our eyes on, uh, on ourself, but keep our eyes on the one who has abundantly provided for us everything in Christ. That we would respond this season with an act of love, a word of hope, or a gift of grace. 
we would pour ourselves out for others like Jesus himself has poured ourselves, poured himself out into us. And so that's what we'll ask all of us to think about this Christmas, this Advent. What is an act of love? Uh, and I'll challenge you this week. What, what is a way you could extend love in the way love has been extended to you? And, and we'll start kind of at the bottom rung of the ladder. Uh, is there someone in your life that this Advent, you know it's going to be particularly hard for? They're lonely or they're having a hard time. How could you love them? How could you do something loving for them? Pour yourself out for them this week. This week, I say do it. What about a word of hope? Uh, how could you share a good uh, kind of a nugget of this story, the Advent story, or a bit of hope in a word with someone? Uh, how about this week when you're talking with someone, you just say this little phrase. Would you mind if I prayed for you? Would you mind if I prayed for you? And, and then they say, sure. And then, and then throw this one in if you're being bold. Could I just do it now? It'll feel a little weird, but man, I just want to ask God to meet you in this and us in this together. And then pray and pray a little bit of the story of our good God who has given his provision to us in Christ that he would meet this person in that circumstance. Give a word of hope and then give a gift of grace. This, this family said to us, uh, they knew it was kind of a full week, particularly the end of the week, and, and this family said, hey, can we buy you dinner on Friday? What? You know there's eight of us. And they did. And it was amazing. You know, feast, it was a, a, a gift of grace and uh, an expending of their own resources on our behalf. Would, would you give a gift of grace before the 31st? And this week, is there someone you could dump some blessing on financially this week? Uh, maybe it's your Angel Tree family. A lot of folks signed up for Angel Tree. Dump your blessing on them. Maybe, maybe it's the uh, Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless. Dump some resources on them. And, and this is what the well is doing. So here's what I would ask. Uh, before the end of the year, would you dump your financial resources? As we're going to do, if Courtney and I and our family pray through, uh, dump your resources out that we, the well, can continue in the good work God has called us to do as we look forward to this coming season. Dump out your resources. But it all starts by soaking in the mighty provision of our God, not filling ourselves with lesser things this Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, here's what we read. When heaven was open and the storehouses of God were poured out on us, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. This was the first generation registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and, he, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, a baby born to die. 
a baby born to pour himself out on you and me, that we would overflow with the grace of God. That when we thought we were alone, we wouldn't be alone anymore. When we needed encouragement or comfort, he would give it to us. When we, when we thought we had no one, we would remember the fellowship we have with the living God. A baby born to die, that when he returns, he would take us into all of eternity. Oh, what a mighty God we have. Don't fill yourself with lesser things as Advent. Uh, spend time in this curriculum. Get to know him deeply. Uh, take times of silence and solitude. Maybe you need to say no Facebook this Advent. Maybe you need to say no phone other than calls and texts this Advent. Maybe you need to say every day I'll spend moments of silence sitting with my Lord and, and soaking in his grace to remember who he is and what he's done to fix my eyes on him, not on what I don't have. Because you have the Son of God whose life was poured out for you, on you, in you. He's given it all for us. And we might then respond and pour out our lives for those around us. Let's pray together as we prepare and take communion. Father, if there is one here or online that does not know you this morning, would they just reach out to you? Would they pray and receive your son and the great gift he's given? If you don't know Christ, it's as simple as inviting him now into your life to receive the gift of his life, death and resurrection as your own. Would you do that now? If you don't know him, would you just pray and talk with him now and say, you want to be uh, receive what he has poured out on you in Christ, that, that you take his perfect life as, as a perfect substitute for your disobedience, that you take his perfect death as a substitute for the penalty that you owe, and that you, you now walk in a resurrected new life. Would you just talk to him about that now? And for those of us who know him now, Father, would you now, deepen our understanding of what you've given us in Christ. Would we rejoice in your comfort, be encouraged by your love, know the fellowship of relationship with you, know your mercy and grace even deeper this Advent. God, help us to do the things that we need to do to know you, to taste you, to enjoy you more this Advent season. Thank you that your son came, born to die, pour his life out for you and for me. Thank you, Father, for your grace. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.